0: Hey there, what's up, Warrior? It is Jeff from WarriorLife.com, and welcome to podcast episode number 363. So I just got back from the happiest place on earth, but it wasn't happy for one mother and her two young children as they were confronted by this large, loud, angry man who made an example out of them. And you know what? They got what they deserved. Their story and what it means to you is coming right up. Let's talk tactics. Tactical firearm Training urban survival, close-quarters combat. Welcome to the show that helps you better prepare for any threat you may face in your role as a protector and a patriot. This is the Warrior Life Podcast. Hey, welcome back, Warrior. This is Jeff Anderson, Executive Director of WarriorLife.com. Okay, so let me go ahead and set the scene for you here. Uh, This past week, I went to the happiest place on Earth, Walt Disney World, with my schmoops, Melissa, and our two grandsons, 12 and 14 years old. And it really brought back a lot of great memories for me as a kid going to Walt Disney World. I'd only been there a couple of times, and this is, it's been a long time since I've been there. Despite it being the pandemic period here where people are still kind of hungering down a little bit or maybe not traveling as much, the crowds were still pretty large at the park, It was a three-day event for us. We went to Epcot Center the first day. We went to Magic Kingdom the second day. And then the final day, we went to Hollywood Studios. And it was a lot of walking. Felt like I was back in uh, 10th Mountain there on my uh, 100-mile road march again. And if you've ever been to Walt Disney World, then you know that, especially when there are a lot of crowds there, the wait lines can be really long for some of these rides. Anywhere from about 30 minutes to 50 minutes, typically it was 70 minutes or even up to 90 minutes just for some of the main rides there that were the most popular. And this was no exception. So in Magic Kingdom we were waiting in line for what is my favorite ride or e- event or activity at Magic Kingdom and that is the Haunted Mansion. I remember that as a kid, like it just, it just seeing those, those images of the ghosts, like the holograms just really just blew me away as a kid, and I couldn't wait to get back in there. Now, the line for this attraction was really long. It was 70 minutes, and and it's this same zigzaggy sort of line that you would expect at like a concert or anything that you do like that where you're kind of zigzagging back and forth in the line, and everybody's waiting their turn. In fact, there's a person at the very end of the line with this big, large sign on this wooden post with the current wait time. On the sign and it said 70 minutes when we got up there and then more people come into the back of the line and that person judges where they're at in the line and that will step back toward the end of that line again and change that number if they need to. But it stayed a pretty long 70 minute wait to get into that attraction. That's a long time to wait for anybody for something that's going to take maybe 10 minutes of your time, right? Well, we were about halfway through. I would say about twenty-five minutes in or so, in the zigzaggy part of the line, where we were surrounded by other people there, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, this very loud voice from this man spoke out and he was yelling at, not angrily, but yelling very loudly at a woman that was behind him. Now I looked over to see what was happening, and this man was, I would say, in his early to mid thirties, had his daughter with him, who I would say was about 10 years old or so. He was a large guy, about six feet tall or so, not exactly hugely muscular, a little bit of a, a pooch on him, but he had this bright white hair. It was one of the biggest things that I remember about him was he had this kind of hair that was shaved on the sides and it was very spiky on top and it was like dyed, like super bright, kind of like, uh, you know, like super blonde, right? And the woman behind him was another she was probably in her late thirties, maybe early forties, and she had two children with her. A daughter who looked like about nine years old, and I think believe it was a son that she had with her that was probably about five or six, maybe even seven years old with her. And the man was yelling that she had cut in line and that she needed to get to the back of the line and wait with everybody else, that it wasn't fair to everybody. Now, this was excessively loud. This wasn't just him talking to her. This was a man who was speaking loud for the sake of being loud and drawing attention to the woman in the middle of the line to go back and get to the end of the line. It drew everybody's attention over to what was going on over there. And the woman tried to really kind of brush it off at first. I think she kind of hoped that he would just make his statement and then leave her alone. But he didn't. He said, ma'am, I will walk you over to the end of the line. It's right back there. He pointed to the back of the line. He said, that's right back there. I will walk you over there if you need to, but it's not fair to everybody else here. You need to go to the back of the line and not cut in front of everybody else. It's not fair. Well, the woman realized that he was really not going to give up. And her response back to him was, you're being mean to me. Now, she said this in a hushed tone because she obviously didn't want attention drawn to her. But she wasn't denying that she hadn't cut in line. In fact, by, you know, 25 minutes into the line, well, you pretty much, you would have known whether somebody had cut in line or not, right? So she had just entered into the line and the zigzaggy part, probably when nobody was really looking or she thought nobody was looking and thought she could kind of get away with it. Well, the man wasn't letting up. She said to him, you're being mean to me. He's like, ma'am, I'm not being mean to you. I'm speaking to you in a very polite tone right now, but it is not fair to everybody else. In fact, I will walk you to the back of the line in case you don't know where it is. It's back there where that sign is that says this is the back of the line, but I will walk you over there To make sure that you know where it is. I'm not being hostile with you. I'm even offering to help you. And she wasn't moving out of the line. And the man wasn't letting up. And he said it again. Ma'am, you need to leave this line. It's not fair to everybody here. He spoke even louder. And you need to go to the back of the line. It's not fair to everybody else that was here. Now, she got really flustered and frustrated and angry, and she stomped out of the line through about three rows of people, and I was only about five to six feet away from where they were at. So I got a front row view to everything that was happening here. Now, she left out of there with her kids holding them by the hand and dragging them out of there, and she went away very upset. And everybody in the line clapped. Everybody in the line clapped. And you could see the guy kind of beaming. He wasn't really boasting. He just kind of made a joke out of it. He's like, thank you very much, everybody. I'll I'll be here all day. He kind of made a joke out of it, right? But everybody was very happy that somebody spoke up and said that to her. Now, I don't know who knew that she was there and who didn't know that she was there. But with my front row view, I found it very interesting. And it gave me a real insight into the thought process of what was playing out in front of me and everybody else there which got me thinking about the OODA loop and how most people misunderstand or entirely miss out on the most critical lessons that it has to offer us. Now, for those of you not familiar with the OODA loop, The OODA loop, OODA, was created by U.S. Air Force colonel and military strategist John Boyd in a study that he did that was known as the aerial attack study, and it represented the decision-making process that takes place in engaging the enemy. Specifically, the letters used in this process cycle through OODA, OODA, which is observe, orient, decide, and act. Now, foundationally, that model was built from Boyd's perspective of surviving an aerial dogfight. But this same principle has been used in everything from business to self-defense, both armed and unarmed self-defense. Now, the OODA loop has mostly been used in tactical training circles for self-protection with the goal to be able to think as quickly as possible and act faster than your attacker in order to short-circuit their OODA loop and, therefore, gain the advantage there. But what I've found is that Boyd's real message is, and the most critical tactical insights, that they get misunderstood or they get completely passed by. And this is so critical that what I'm going to do is I'm going to approach this in a two-part series because there are a couple of different angles that are important here. So in this episode of the podcast, what I want to do is I want to share with you five tactical OODA loop observations that I noticed during the exchange between the woman and that man in line and share them and how they apply to you tactically. What are the lessons that you can take from this? Because I learned a whole hell of a lot from this. And I have... Five good tips here that you can take away from it as well. So let's go ahead and jump into these now. So first, the OODA loop is not a one-sided process. So it's often been seen as like the, the OODA loop is being kind of like a scenario for there's the threat and then shorten your OODA loop and fight back quickly. In other words, the attacker there, they've oriented, they've, uh, I'm sorry, they've they've observed you, they've oriented on you, they've decided that they're going to act, and then they take action. And for you, you want to shortcut that process as much as possible. I mean, criminal, I always talk about it, criminals are not as stupid as we sometimes make them out to be. That's why they get close to you. That's why most attacks happen as an ambush, because they don't want you to have time to orient on them and observe them and all this other stuff. Like, they just want to make their mission successful. And so the longer it takes you to really kind of orient and and figure out what's going on and then make a decision, then act like it could be all over by then, which means that you could be lying on the ground bleeding, unconscious or dead with your wallet gone, your car gone, your family gone, who knows, right? So it's always been thought that this is basically a one-sided process that you as the defender, you have to shorten that oodle loop. You have to act as quickly as possible. And that means shortening the loop and fighting back and, and making the decision and, and acting as quick as possible. But it's a two-way street. The oodle loop is yours, but it's also your aggressor's. And these loops actually trade back and forth more like a tennis match. They're, you go through a loop yourself, but it's a true back and forth with your aggressor. So in this situation, that I was in in Walt Walt Disney World, the man raised his voice very, very loudly and drew attention to them. Now, she responded by first trying to ignore him. He kept it up. She called him mean. He yelled to everyone out there how polite he was being and offered to even walk her to the end of the line. So the same goes for you and an attacker. In fact, Boyd's intention was to create chaos and act unexpectedly in your actions to get inside the opponent's OODA decision cycle to get them to show their hand and then use that new information to gain the advantage in the dog fight. So the first thing here is for you to understand that while yes, you have that OODA loop going and you're going to try and shorten it as much as possible and create and, and, and decide how you're going to act. It also goes for the other person. So this is a, a back and forth situation as it was with this man and this woman. Lesson number two here is that, the most critical aspect of here of this of the OODA loop gets missed, and that is orientation. Now most people think of orientation, which is that second step there, as physical posturing. So how do you orient? You know, you, you observe the attack coming, how do you orient your body? How do you orient based upon the environment around you? What if you have people with you? You're defending your family. Like most people think of orientation as a physical orientation, but it's actually deeper than that. You see, Boyd saw orientation as a combination of several factors in how somebody approaches a situation and how and how it shapes all the other factors in the OODA loop the way that we observe things around us, the way that we decide what action to take, and the way that we actually act. So that's why in, in the aerial attack study, Boyd really takes this into account with things such as genetic heritage, cultural traditions, analysis and synthesis. In other words, like sometimes like risk and reward, what previous experiences somebody had, and then what new information is brought to the process. So why all of these things aren't really physical orientations. These are how do you orient who you are and what's happening around you based upon your entire life history, your culture, how do you see the world around you, what experiences have you had before. That's going to decide how you observe things around you. In other words, if if you are a person who never had any element of danger around you at all, you grew up in an upscale neighborhood, there was never any crime, nothing really happened like that, and you go out into the big city, you might not necessarily have this perception that there is danger around you, and you could be projecting that, whereas somebody who grew up in an inner city who realized that the only way you're going to get ahead in life is by taking it and preying upon the weak. Well, they see you coming. It changes how they observe the people around them. It deserve, It decides how they act. So going back to the Disney confrontation here to apply this to what I witnessed there, the mom was a predator. She counted on the weakness of others, and she asserted herself for her own gain. Now, her OODA loop was already in progress. She observed the long line. She observed that it was going to be 70 minutes there. Her orientation was that she thought it was okay to bypass everyone else and cut in line in front of a group that looked safe to her. She made her decision, and then she acted on that decision by getting in front of the right people who did not say anything to her, and she short-circuited probably about a good 25, 30 minutes off of her and her kids' wait in line. Now, the people behind her, and, and from what I remember, they look to be like, kind of like foreign visitors. Like obviously a lot of people travel from foreign countries to come to the happiest place on earth. It's a, it's a, it's a, um, a big destination for, for travel for foreign visitors. And the people behind her would have observed her, observed her cutting in line. Cause now rem- remember, we've been 25, 30 minutes into the line here. And they would have noticed all along the way there as they're moving up inches inches by inches that they were not there and then all of a sudden they were there. So they observed her and their orientation be it cultural or just the way that most people would respond was that it wasn't worth calling her out. I mean the risk may have been embarrassment if they had called her out and they drew attention to themselves, maybe if they were if they were from a foreign land they didn't really know what the cultural norms were in our country like maybe if they if they called it out and maybe maybe They thought Americans don't like foreigners, and if they said, why are you cutting, people would would revolt against them. I don't know what their thought process was because they didn't say anything. So maybe that risk would have been embarrassment, while the reward would have only been a minute or two longer wait. Right. So, I mean, that's what I think a lot of people thought. Maybe other people did notice that the woman was there. In fact, I remember times where I've seen people cut in line way up ahead of me. I could have said something, but you know what? Uh, you know what? Screw it. Like, what am I going to do? Make a big fuss out of it? Ruin the day for maybe for my kids or, or who knows what's going to happen if I do this. It's only going to be like a few extra seconds wait. Right. So that's, maybe that was their decision. Regardless, they made their decision to just let it be. And their action was to do nothing. So there we have the OODA loop for the mom. And we have the OODA loop for the people behind her, based upon orientation. Now, the guy in front of her, at some point, noticed her cutting in line. Now, his orientation was that it wasn't right. It wasn't fair what she was doing. He analyzed the risk and reward for him. I mean, for him, there was little risk of not saying anything, because he knew he was in the right. He was bigger. She had small children with her. She wasn't really a threat to him. She wasn't with a male partner where it could have become a fight, though maybe it still could have. You never know what's going to happen. And, you know, really the risk for him, I mean, he wasn't even like it wasn't even affecting his weight at all. So where was the reward for him, right? He decided, based on his orientation and low risk, that he would use embarrassment as his weapon. And he called her out loudly. And he didn't let up. So here we can see that orientation for all three of these parties, the woman that was the predator, the people that were the sheep behind her, and the man who was a wolf in front of her, the protector, standing up for right, even though it really didn't affect him. Their orientations of who they are as people affected everything in that situation. And ultimately, the woman left. The sheep left, or not the sheep, but the predator left the flock of sheep there. Nobody else said anything there. Now, let's move on to tip number three here, or or observation number three, which is the dynamics of a confrontation can change instantly. So in this case, for, for the woman, the predator, she wasn't prepared to be confronted. And she backed out with her tail between her legs. And everybody was clapping about the verbal beating that she got. She looked bad in front of her kids and I'm, I mean I can pretty much say that it ruined her day and it probably ruined her kids day. What should have been like a super happy day in the happiest place on earth probably end up becoming a scar in the memory of both her and her kids. It probably ruined that entire vacation there and I'm sure she was she probably couldn't stop thinking about it the rest of the day. Her kids probably couldn't stop thinking about it the rest of the day. She looked bad in front of her kids. Now, my guess is that she'll probably likely never do it again. And now this is part of her experience, and she probably understands the real risks that are associated with something that seemed like it was so small to her. But it could have also been a confrontation change for him as well, which brings us to observation number four, which is don't write checks that your abilities aren't able to cash. So for her... It was the threat of him, right? But for him, what if her husband or boyfriend showed up? What if he was three times this guy's size? What if she got in a fight with him? What if they both got thrown out? You never know what is going to happen, right? So many people get into this situation where they think we tend to think of like the best outcome there the truth is you never know what's going to happen this guy might have called her out and her boyfriend may have shown up and he may have been some gigantic bodybuilder and that might have resulted in this guy doing the right thing as the sheepdog protector he could have gotten his ass beat this is why we look at situations like at uh, with our with our defeat larger attackers product that DVD that we have, you can see in that video on the sales page for it that there is a man who is in a confrontation with a woman in a pizza parlor, and it seems pretty safe until her boyfriend comes in, and then things aren't so safe. If you haven't seen that video, it's definitely worth checking out because there's a lot to be seen in there related to what we're talking about today. But you can't write checks that your abilities aren't able to cash. You need to understand that what might look like one situation here, again, part of the orientation, part of the information loop that Boyd was talking about is based upon new information that comes in as well. And you need to understand that there can always be new information. So you need to be ready for whatever those possibilities are. That doesn't mean don't take action. This guy did a very commendable thing from from what we could see from the outside. I don't know what this woman's actual story was. Um, at Walt Disney World, if you have uh, children with handicaps or or if, if you have a disability in some way, they allow you to go to the front of the line. There's special accommodations made for that. I don't know what the reasoning was for this woman, but nonetheless, it looked like she deserved what she got. But the guy got lucky also that maybe there wasn't another factor here that... He wasn't prepared to do something about. So you just need to keep that in mind there. So let's go on to observation number five here. And that is, no one is coming to your aid. Look, no one else came to this guy's aid during the verbal fight. Nobody did. Nobody said a single thing. Nobody spoke up and said, yeah, lady, you need to go to the back of the line just like everybody else. And it would have been easy to do that because this guy was very loud. He was, he seemed like he was obviously in the right to everybody around. And judging from the clapping that happened as the woman left, everybody was kind of silently urging him on or or wishing that he would really kind of see through on this because it's not fair. We all know it's not fair. But nobody came to his aid during the during the verbal fight. So, going back to number 4 here, if her husband or boyfriend showed up and he was a a big badass, If nobody came to his aid during the verbal fight, do you really think anybody would come to his aid during a physical fight? I'm going to say no. So there was more at risk here than he realized, and things turned out okay, but what if they didn't? What would you do? What would you do in a situation like this? And that, my friends, is part two of this two-part series of the OODA Lessons, and it's coming up in next week's podcast episode. But for now, please share your thoughts in a comment on our blog over at warriorlifepodcast.com where you see this episode. And hey, I want to give a quick shout out to Real Video Man who left us five stars on our podcast at, over at iTunes. And he said, when I, get, uh, when I started getting interested in survival and protection skills, I was super new to all of it. Through Jeff's bucks and their guest's advice, I ended feeling confident enough to purchase a rifle. Their advice for airsoft training has made me much more comfortable and safe using my actual gun. There's rarely an episode that I don't get at least a half dozen or more ideas and insights from. Highly recommended. Keep it up, Jeff. Well, thank you, Real Video Man. I will keep it up. (laughs) All right. So now, if you're loving our podcast, please go on over and leave us a badass five-star review wherever you listen in. You can find us and subscribe to our channel on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcast fix from. Plus, don't forget to check us out over yonder on those YouTubes over there at youtube.com slash warrior, where we release a new video, at least one new video every single week. And while you're there, make sure that you subscribe and hit that little bell so you don't miss a single episode. And until our next Warrior Life podcast, this is Jeff Anderson saying prepare, train, and survive. Train, survive.